This is the World War II Radio Podcast. A date which will live in infamy. This is London. We shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. Go ahead, Berlin. This is the National Broadcasting Company. Welcome to the World War II Radio Podcast. Today we have the log of the R-77, the May 11th, 1941 episode of the Columbia Workshop. Written by old-time radio legend Norman Corwin, it tells the story of a crew trapped in a doomed submarine. The Columbia Workshop aired over CBS from 1936 to 1943, and again in 1946 and 1947. The World War II Radio Podcast is a Brick Pickle Media production. If you like the show, please leave feedback on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. You can also support the show by clicking on the link in the show notes and offering your financial support. Your donations help us to continue to produce the podcast. And thanks to those of you who have already donated. So thanks for listening, and enjoy this week's episode of the World War II Radio Podcast. The Columbia Workshop presents the second of 26 by Corwin. Log of the R-77. It is silent. The air is impossible. I don't know how long I'll be able to write. This is a whim. Who will read my log? When the oceans rise, perhaps thousands, million years. The steel rot sooner than that. Does the airtight paper crumble? I'll write as long as I'm able. It happened about fifty hours ago. It was foggy. Ship cut through the mist dead ahead. Disastrous. We didn't hear or see until she was five hundred yards away. Dived immediately. All hands down the hatch. Down the diving alarm. Now the collision alarm. Collision alarm, sir. Down to 100 feet. 100 feet, sir. Passing 30 feet now, sir. Conning tower hatch secured, sir. Very well. 40 feet, sir. 50 feet, sir. Close the vent. All vents closed, sir. Very well. 60 feet, sir. Seventy feet, sir. Eighty feet, sir. Leveling off at a hundred feet, sir. Very well. There we go. That was close. 
heavy forward, Captain. Ten degrees down by the bow. 125 feet, sir. Low bow, bullion, sir. Blowing bow buoyancy, sir. Fifteen degrees down by the bow, sir. 175 feet. Going down fast, sir. 190 feet. Low main ballast. Blowing main ballast, sir. Two hundred and twenty-five feet, sir. Sinking rapidly. Three hundred feet, sir. Three hundred and fifty feet, sir. Four hundred feet, sir. On the bottom at four hundred and twenty-five feet, sir. Check all compartments for damage. Check all compartments for damage. Forward torpedo room. Forward torpedo room. No answer from forward torpedo room, sir. Very well. Check through. Forward battery room. Forward battery room. Aye, aye. Do you report any damage? No damage, sir. Everything okay. Forward battery room reports no damage, sir. Everything okay. Very well. Engine room. Engine room. Aye, aye. Are you taking in any water? No water, sir. Everything okay. Engine room reports everything okay, sir. Very well. After battery room. After battery room, aye, aye. Do you report any damage? No damage, sir. Everything okay. After battery room reports no damage, sir. Very well. After torpedo room. After torpedo room. No answer from after torpedo room, sir. Very well. Check the conning tower. Checking the conning tower, sir. Conning tower. Conning tower. No answer tower, sir. Have all hands report to the control room. Aye, aye, sir. The men gathered quickly. They came in with terrible faces of anxiety without a word. When they'd all crowded in and stood silently, the captain addressed them. Men, I had hoped this would never happen, but it has. Forward and after torpedo rooms are flooded. There is no life in the conning tower. We have no means of escape. Not in heaven. That is the situation. You mean there's not a ghost of a chance, Captain? Not a sliver of a chance? I'm afraid not, Grogan. No chance of using the lungs, maybe? There is no way of escape. Then, then it's curtains, yeah. Yeah, curtains. Men, I have often wondered what I would do in this eventuality. I too, yeah. I am doing now what I thought I would do. What's that? Well, first of all, you know that we have about 60 hours. <laughs> help me carry it, Harry's sick. Sorry, sir. That's all right, McCarry. I feel kind of woozy myself. Don't feel ashamed of that, any of you. You have a right to be sick. But then I have one suggestion I'd like to make. You may either accept or reject it as you wish. Take it or not, according to how you feel. Oh, what, what is it, sir? 
Now, you needn't act on this idea merely because I'm captain. Tell me if you think I'm foolish, and that will be all right. What's your idea, sir? To entertain each other in the time that is left. Entertain each other? Yes. When you were kids, did you ever go to a party at which everybody had to do some act or thing or in some way entertain the others? Oh, yes, sure. Well, that's what I propose sure. we do now. It may sound foolish, but it'll help to pass the time. It will help to keep our minds off ourselves. I don't know. Maybe it won't work. Maybe it will. I think it's worth a try. We don't have to do it right now. I'm for it. Me too. I would like to think that none of us is scared or sick to his gut. But that would be silly. I would like to think that none of you feels the cold sweat I feel right now. But you do. I think we ought to try to forget it as best we can, and that's why I'm proposing this little game. Sounds sensible to me. First, not all of us agreed. McCary went off in the corner and lay down in the deck and cried himself. Rogan kept punching the steel door to the battery room until his knuckles bled. He said nothing. Nobody tried to stop him. Captain just stood where he was. Then eventually the men decided they would take up the captain's idea. They grouped themselves around on the deck and the captain sat in the middle. Very well. Let's begin clockwise. Abrams, Jr. is in first. Who? Me? Well, what am I supposed to do? Anything you like. Sing, tell a story, recite something. Even a dirty yarn will be gratefully received if it makes any of us laugh. Well, I wish I wasn't first, that's all. You want to be second? Yeah, yeah. We'll be first. I will, sir. All right, McCarty. <clears throat> um, I'd like to sing a little song that I learned when I was a kid. I think it was about the first song that I ever learned. Shoot. Go ahead, McCarty. <clears throat> <clears throat> Off in the stilly night, the air slumber's chain has bound me. Fond memory brings the light of other days around me. The smiles, the tears, the boyhood years, the words of love. All right, McGarry. Take your time. When I remember all the friends so linked together, I've seen around me fall like leaves in wintry weather. I feel like one who treads alone some banquet hall deserted. Thank you, McCarry. Nice call. Uh, how about you, Matusowicz? Well, uh, I'll play something on my concertina, if you don't mind. All right.
Rogers of Rich. Now then, Abrams. You ready? Well, uh, how about I recite a poem? You? You have a poem to recite? Uh, yeah. Was midnight on the ocean. Not a streetcar was in sight. Sun was shining brightly, for it had rained all that night. Was a summer's day in winter. The rain was snowing fast. As a barefoot yeah, girl, girl with shoes on stood sitting in the grass. The grass. I know that. Was evening, and the rising sun was setting in the west, and all the fish. Just ain't going over so well, maybe. It's all right. I'm sorry to interrupt, man. William Saunders, start air purification. Air purification. I am. How many cans of CO2 shall I open, sir? How many have you? Ten altogether. Open two. Ready to open the bunks in the forward battery room. Aye, aye, sir. All right. Now it's your turn, Lieutenant. How about something from the Bible, sir? Very good. Job, chapter three. Let the day perish wherein I was born, and the night in which it was said there is a man-child conceived. Let that day be darkness. Let not God regard it from above. Let darkness and the shadow of death stain it. Let a cloud dwell upon it. Let the blackness of the day terrify it. As for that night, let it not be joined under the days of the year. Let it not come into the number of the months. Let that night be solitary. Let no joyful voice come therein. Let them curse it that curse the day who are ready to raise up their morning. Let the stars of that twilight thereof be dark. Let it look for light but have none. Neither let it see the dawning of the day because it shut up the doors of my mother's womb. Nor hid the sorrow from my eyes. What's that, Grogan? No, Martin. Go right on, Grogan. Why is light given to a man whom God hath hedged in? The thing which I greatly feared is come upon me. And that which I was afraid of is come unto me. I was not in safety, neither had I rest, neither was I quiet, yet trouble came. That's all. What about you? I don't guess I know how to do anything. Now, come on, sure you do. Well, how about your whistling, Hurts? You can imitate birds. No, I, I'll tell you what. I got a couple of stories maybe ain't heard. Oh, uh, yes. Go ahead. Let's have them. <coughs> well, uh, this, this fella takes his girl out for the evening, see? And first he takes her to dinner. Have you heard this one? Uh, I don't well, he takes her to dinner in a fancy place, see? Seventy-five cents for a half a grapefruit. That kind of place. You know. He wasn't no sailor. <laughs> it costs him as much as a couple of suits of clothes, but he don't mind because he spends all his time looking at it. So when they're through dinner, he says to her, Well, honey, would you like to go see a picture tonight? So she says, Sure. So he takes her to one of them high-class reserve seat joints, and they sit in the orchestra. It's a terrible picture. A real stinkeroo. I saw that picture. <laughs> but he don't mind. He holds her hands all the time. He ain't thinking of the picture anyway. Actually not. But I can guess. <laughs> well, after the show, he takes her to a nightclub and they have a few drinks. Very uh, expensive, you see, with a cover charge and everything. Oh, so they, yeah, they dance a while. 
And then he says, Honey, he says, Are you tired? You want to go home? So she says, uh, 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 um, she, uh, she says, uh, Very funny. Yeah, wait a minute. I got it. Well, I, um... I forgot what she says. <laughs> now, now, wait a minute. Now, let me think. Oh, oh, give him a chance. I could have hey, swore no, I knew no, the punch. No, no, it has story. to do with her going to work in the morning. I remember that. Do you remember any other stories? No, I'll get this one. You, you just give me a little time. I had it on the tip of my tongue. All right, supposing we come back to you. Yeah, I'll get it. Don't worry. What about you, Varden? I have to offer only two lines of verse, Captain. That's all right. My favorite lines in all Shakespeare, sir. What are they? Night's candles are burnt out. And jocund day stands tiptoe on the misty mountaintop. Very beautiful they are, too. Uh, what's that from, Barton? Romeo and Juliet, sir. Why don't you finish this speech? Huh? What do you mean? It's Romeo's speech, isn't it? There's another line. I just don't happen to remember it. What is it? I must be gone and live. Or stay and die. Do you remember any more verses, Barton? Yes, I do, sir. I'm very much afraid the boys here won't be much entertained by them. What about it, men? Sure, go ahead. No, I suggest you come back to me on the second round, sir. All right. Johnson, you're next. Well, uh, does, uh, does card tricks count as entertainment? <laughs> if they're good ones. Okay. Well, now, uh, I'm going to show you the best card trick you ever saw. Uh, let me clean away a little space. Okay, okay. Now, uh, Captain, you got to assist me. Uh, you shuffle these cards. Now, make some good. How's that? Okay, okay, that's enough, that's enough. Now, uh, Williams, you cut him. There you go. Okay. Now, uh, does anybody want to see that these are in no special order? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, you can look if you want to. No, well, no, no, no. All right, all right, all right. Now, uh, I'm not even going to touch them. But suppose you cut the deck and lay both piles down on the table. Okay, done. All right. Now, cut them again. That's three piles. Now, uh, make another pile. Oh, how long does this Wait a minute. Give me a chance, will you? Now, uh, take two cards from the top of this one and put them on that pile. Like this? Yeah, that's good. Now, one from here on there. I bet what he's is just this? I ain't kidding. This trick ain't never failed. All right, Bart. Now, uh, let me see. Uh, take one from here and put it there. Yeah. And now, one from there and put it here. Well, okay. Wait a minute, will you? Now. Uh, you will pick up from the top of the four piles the following cards. A six, a ten, a jack, and an eight. There's a four. <laughs> oh, hey, that's funny. A seven. <laughs> a seven. A two. <laughs> oh, and a queen. Oh, oh, I don't know how that happened. You must have did it. Oh, you didn't this went on for another half hour before it was my turn. I'd made up my mind to recite a filthy ballad because I thought it would amuse them. I started, but after I got about six stanzas on, I suddenly grew conscious that my listeners were actually, literally dying men. Their faces seemed unreal, ghosts already risen from the not-yet-dead. Only a fragment of my mind kept it a ballad in its nasty verses. The rest seemed slowly to recoil, and I felt numb and limp, and suddenly it was dark, and I could hardly hear the voices of the men. Wait a minute. What's the matter?
matter, William? What's the trouble? Look, he's pale as a ghost. He's fainting. Get him some water. Slap his face. Yes. Give him a hand. He's going to keep over. When I awoke, there was a throbbing and humming in my head. I must have struck my head against the bulkhead when I fell over because there was a cut over my left temple and very sore, too. I looked around at the men. The air was foul and heavy, but not as bad as now. Joe, how long have we been down? Joe. Bono. Grogan. Everybody.
of the R-77, the second of 26 by Corwin, presented each Sunday at this time by the Columbia Workshop. Credits, sound, Ray Kramer, assisted by George Lehman and Walter McDonough. Cast, House Jameson, Paul Stewart, Everett Sloan, John Gibson, Peter Donald, Louis Van Ruten, Frank Lovejoy, Martin Wilson, Burl Ives, Norman Ober, Edward Juris, and Lucille Meredith. Constantina, Boris Matusevich.
Engineer, Paul Whitlake. Script and production, Norman Corwin. The author is indebted to Chief Torpedoman Albert Fisher and Commander William O'Regan of the United States Navy for technical counsel in the preparation of this program. Next week, the Columbia Workshop will present the third of 26 by Corwin, the premier performance of a section of The People Yet, a new American opera by Earl Robinson and Norman Corwin, suggested by Carl Sandberg's volume of that name. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System.